This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode 469. Welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast. I am your substitute host, Jacob Paulson. Uh, Riley Bowman is unavailable today, and I am joined by guest Radigan. He prefers to go by his last name, I, I think, for whatever reason. Anyway, it's Adam Radigan from Mantis. Adam, thanks for being here, bro. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. We're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, first, Radigan, just quickly give people, like, what's your job title over there? Some director of training or something? So my official job title is actually VP of Engineering. So I handle the product development of Mantis products, and that is the the primary thing that I do. I am also, if we had a director of training, I guess that would be my title as well. I'm the the chief firearms instructor of Mantis. How about there that? You go. Chief and, firearms. And so I I am in charge of all of the 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 training portions of the app of organizing all of that and making sure that it's up to snuff. There you go. So we are joined by the VP of Engineering and director of training slash chief firearm instructor guy at Mantis X. So pretty exciting. Today we're going to be talking about some training that is available in the Mantis app that I recently pounded through like an animal. We're going to talk about the things I learned uh, about my own shooting, uh, some feedback I have maybe on the, the course itself, the training itself, and hopefully encourage a lot of you to go and embark on that journey or at very least learn from some of the learnings, the takeaways that I had. Before we do that, a quick word from sponsors. We have two sponsors today. First, this episode is sponsored by the Guardian Conference. If you are unfamiliar with the Guardian Conference, this is an annual event. This year will be the first. So I don't know if we can get away with calling it an annual event until there's been at least two of them. But yeah, you think I'm good, right? So I can call it the first annual. This year will be the first annual Guardian Conference. That'll be September 17th, 18th, and 19th in Oklahoma City. If you haven't already checked this out, go to guardianconference.com and get enrolled. The sooner you sign up, the less expensive it is to enroll in the event. It's going to be amazing. Three days of learning from some of the best instructors in the country. It's really top-notch training from top-notch names at an extremely affordable price. So go to guardianconference.com and get enrolled. And today's episode is also brought to you by the Range Ruck from Ready Up Gear. Range Ruck is a four handgun range backpack, which makes it easy to organize, store, and transport all your stuff to the range, wherever your range might be. Learn more at concealedcarry.com forward slash range ruck. That's R-A-N-G-E-R-U-C-K. All right. We got that very important stuff out of the way. Let's talk about Mantis. So here's the deal, dude. Radigan, I, I, I'm on, you know, all these Facebook groups, which people like me are prone to be on. And on a, on occasion, people will drop a picture of these patches, these Mantis patches. And they're like, you know, basic marksmanship, advanced marksmanship, whatever. They drop pictures like, look what I just got. I earned this. And so I do a little, you know, research on this probably a couple months ago and I'm like, all right, got it. So within the Mantis app of these courses, I kind of, I kind of knew that, um, but I'd never really checked them out. And it would appear that if you complete these courses, Mantis sends you a free Velcro patch, which is coolio. And so at some point about two weeks ago, I get called out. Someone basically says, Hey, you know, do you have these patches? Have you completed these courses? And I'm like, ah, crap. I'm like, no, I haven't. And they're like, well, you should. And I'm like, yes, I know I should. So I decided to do it right around Christmas time. I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to complete these courses. So I go into the app and there's three of them. Well, there's an introduction 
course that's like orientation style, yep. like learn how to use the, the tool thing. And then you have this, the other three courses, which are basic, advanced, and elite marksmanship. And if I'm not mistaken, they have to be completed in order, right? Radigan, I can't, right. yeah, I can't jump to the elite. Yep. And I wanted to do them in order because I wanted all the three patches so that I, you know, people get off my back about it. So I decided to do this. Now, I got to be honest, dude, I, I did not go into this with a very good attitude. Um, what I mean by that is I've, I've, I've had a Mantis for a long time. I think I was a relatively early adopter. Like I learned about Mantis at your guys' pop-up booth at SHOT yeah. Show, whatever that was, 2016 probably, which I'm confident was your first year there, probably when you guys kind of debuted the product. So I've been a pretty early adopter. I've used Mantis. I've put it on on students' guns. And I guess I just in my head had it in my head that that I didn't have more to learn from Mantis. Like I'd, I'd gotten out of this tool what I wanted to get out of it. And that the going through these courses was not going to be any incremental benefit attitude I went into this. And I think that's obviously a very bad attitude for, for anyone, for any learning of any topic, let alone for me and shooting. I, I have plenty to learn. But before we get too much farther, Radigan, let me just take a breath and let you tell the listener, someone who's listening has no idea what Mantis is, you know, give them like the, the 60 second elevator pitch. Like, what is this thing and what does it do? The elevator pitch for Mantis is it is a firearms training system. You attach it to the rail of your gun, pistol or rifle or shotgun, and it will track the movement of the gun as you're shooting and send feedback to an app on your smartphone. So it will see every tiny little movement, any every variation in your in your hold and your trigger press, and it will map that out and give you an analysis of your shooting. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's measuring micro movements in the microseconds right before and during the trigger press. Yes. Both in live fire or dry fire. Correct. And sending that data for analyzation and display on an app. So the theory is that Mantis is really a diagnostic tool at at its core. Obviously it has other values, but but for me at least, I, I see Mantis as a diagnostic tool. It's going to help me identify what I'm doing wrong because Radigan, like this is my perspective. <laughs> Shooting is not complicated. Like hold gun steady, press trigger <laughs> without moving gun. Well, when you put it like that, right? Like that's it's it sounds simple. I didn't say it was easy. I said it's simple. Mm-hmm. Like press trigger without move gun. Like that, you know, put sights on target, press trigger without move gun. That's how you shoot well. The, the obviously it's not that simple or else everybody be awesome shooters. Like there's tons of complexity to making your hands and your body and your eyes and all that stuff do that, especially with, with, you know, subsequent shots and dealing with recoil and things like that. So, so Mantis for me at at its base is this tool that's helping me uh, understand what's happening, what I'm doing to the gun when I shoot it so I can fix and adjust those things. Like, is that a fair summary? That is, yeah. At, at its foundation, that's what we're doing. We're looking at the, those micro movements that you talked about. We're looking at them before, during, and after the shot, depending on what which which drills you're looking at. It might give a slightly different analysis. The recoil meter specifically is the one that I'm thinking of, and 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 yeah, we're we're just helping you understand what at what point in that process did things break down, and less so the why, because as as you know, there are so many different variables as to why things can go wrong and and why you move the gun. So we do have some some diagnostics in that area, but primarily we're presenting you with the information so you can say, okay, here's what I did. 
and then and then think about it and what felt different what happens if i change this one element how does how does that change the the score how does that change how steady i am does it improve does it detract you can make all those adjustments and and actually monitor what it does for your shooting yep great awesome and there's like in the the, the mantis x10 does have like a, you know draw analysis and so there's other tools in there we're we're being overly simple for the purpose of, of this conversation but uh, if you're not familiar with mantis check it out you can buy it at consultcarry.com definitely where you should buy it Okay, so with that in mind, I think there's some other uh, preliminary information people need to understand before we talk about these courses themselves. I think first you need to understand this concept of scoring. So within Mantis, when I when I have it on my device and I you know press the trigger, it's going to give me a score zero to one hundred. I've never seen a hundred. I don't know if it, like have you ever seen a hundred percent, Radigan? Does that exist? Oh, it has happened. Okay, yes. so it's possible, conceivable. Like, did you put the gun in a vice? I don't know how you no, pulled it. No, vice will actually only give you about. 80 or excuse me 99 5 99 6 so it it well let's talk about the scoring and then i'll tell you okay. how you okay so my my quick summary and obviously our vp of engineering can give us more detail but basically when you press the trigger mantis is scoring your shot based on movement and and i mean my basic understanding is that the more the gun moves from beginning of trigger press to end of trigger press the worse the score the less it moves the better the score is that yep. Simple enough. Yep, I can give it to you in engineering speak too, but that's that's a good simplified <laughs> okay. definition. So, so which makes sense. Like our objective is to make gun not move while press trigger, right? So, so the the better you are at that, the higher the score. Correct. Um, now let, let's just give people some baseline numbers, Radigan, and you may or may not have this data perfect, but you could arbitrarily definitely spitball this. Like, what are what is like? You know, you grab some random person at a trade show who comes by the Mantis booth. You put this in their hand. What's the average score for that person? Like, what's normal out of the average, game? Average scores across the board for everyone is going to be about a sixty-eight to seventy-two. So it's about a seventy. Okay. Uh, it's about the average score that we see overall. That's that's everyone from professional shooters to really poor shooters. That's what they average. Yeah, but these these are gun people. They're, yes. you know, yeah, they've obviously handled they either bought this product or they stopped by a booth at a gun trade show. Mm -hmm. So they're gun people, they shoot guns. That's their average score. What what do you guys and if I'm not mistaken, the app considers a good score anything over 90 and a great score anything over 95. Correct. Okay. So that gives people some some like baseline ideas of of like where these numbers fall. Um, within the app, this is the other preliminary thing we have to get out of the way before we talk about these courses that you guys have. Within the app, there are uh, drills. It's the first thing you see when you open the app, you get the, the device connected, you scroll down, there's a number of drills. Um, like the one I, you know, there's like open training, for example, which is, I mean, calling that a drill is a bit of a stretch, bro, but it's cool. So open training is just like, it's cool. That's like just, drill hit this drill. yeah, like it's just, just like press triggers and we'll give you scores and data. Yeah. Um, but there's no like specific objective or parameter or time or number of shots to complete that. It's just, it's what it sounds like open training, but then you have a variety of things that are actual drills. Like the, probably the one I use the most is just the Mantis benchmark. The Mantis benchmark is similar to open training, but it's just 10 shots. It's just, you're going to, you're going to run 10 shots and it's going to say, here's your average score. You can go back and look at each shot, look at all the data associated with it, movement, et cetera. Uh, pretty straightforward. There's some in there I really hate. Like there's a primary hand only drill. Uh -huh. Man, I, I don't know. Like Radigan, if you went and looked at my personal user account data before this started, it's going to be embarrassing. But um, that one was a bane of my existence where it's similar to the benchmark drill, but you're just using primary hand only. There's a support hand only. Um, this, the, there's a surprise. What is that one called? Surprise break. 
Compressed Surprise Break. That's my favorite one. Love this one as well. Yeah. I think it's only five shots. Yes. Um, but this drill, you know, you're, 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 I guess you could do it from whatever ready position you want. But basically, you're waiting for the app to give you a go signal and it's, it gives you a beep and it flashes on the device. And then you press the trigger. And the idea is that you're not getting to take the time to you know do the smoothest trigger press you want. The idea is that you're as soon as you get that go, you need to break the trigger. And, and it's kind of so it's kind of forcing you uh, to have better fundamentals that way. Is that like a good summary? Yeah, it's combining speed and accuracy. So mm-hmm. how fast can you go without your score dropping significantly? At what point does that break down? And again, mm-hmm. from different ready positions, the drill was designed initially to be done from the position of on target finger on the trigger. So yeah. sights on target. So you're, you're ready and all you do is break the trigger, but you can do it from a compressed ready. You can do it from a low ready. You can do it from, from any of these positions again, to see how long does it take to get to the target, press an accurate shot. And, and that's where that differs from some of the other drills is we are looking for high accuracy and speed. Yeah. So that's a pretty good summary of the, of the drills. And there might, there's some other ones in there too, but those are the ones open training, the benchmark drill, the compressed surprise break and primary and secondary hand only are the ones that make up the courses uh, that you go through. All right. So let's talk about these courses, dude. So first let's give people a fundamental idea of how the course itself works. So I click on basic marksmanship drill, for example, or any of these drills for that matter. And it says, okay, let's do this. And it's got these like, like a progress bar at the top of the app. And throughout this progress, there might be multiple steps. I don't know, 10 ish. Yeah. 12. And I would call them almost like tasks. Like there's these tasks you have to complete. Once you complete it, you get to move on to the next one. And these tasks have something to do with these drills for the most part. So like, for example, a task might be complete. Um, what sort of looking for others are, are, are basically just like duration things like, Hey, shoot 30 shots a day for four days in a row. Uh, is that, is, I mean, that, it's, that, that's basically that, the whole thing, right? Like I don't remember seeing anything different than that. No. Yeah. It, that, that's basically it. It, it. It's all right. I'll give a brief history on where, how we came up with this. And yeah, why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so we initially, Oh, sorry. Bump my camera there. Initially Mantis uh, X did not have any drills in it. And, uh, due to customer feedback, we got a lot of people that were saying, we want, we want a little bit more. We want a little more guidance as to, to what we should do. So we, so we introduced the drills and they said, this is great. What drill should I do? How do I know where I should be? And so that's kind of where the courses came from is we want to give people a, a, a guided tour through some of these drills to, to see where are you at and where can you improve? And within the courses, you actually cut down on me for a second. I'm not sure if you mentioned this. Most of them have associated with them some sort of, of minimum score, minimum threshold. So shoot the benchmark drill and your average score has to be over 75 or whatever that number is. And so if you go through that and you can't do that, okay, then now you know what you need to go work on or shoot the compress, compress surprise break drill with this score and this time. You can't quite make that benchmark. Okay go back and practice it. And so it helps guide your daily training to know what, what do I need to do to improve? Where am I at compared to other beginner, advanced or elite shooters? Mm-hmm. Perfect. It, 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 this was remarkable for me. Like, uh, let me give you everyone just quickly some stats. I, I, I personally went through all three of these courses as fast as I think a person could. Um, so I basically like put in as many hours as necessary 
to achieve each task as quickly as possible. The only time, you know, the only, the, like the only time it took me more than a day to get through anything is when I was forced to, right? Like shoot 30 shots a day for four days in a row. So I think uh, I was trying to figure out the day I started, but I think I did all three of these courses in nine days, um, which I don't think that most people have the time, energy, or attention span to do. Um, I did get a total number of shots fired. It took me 1,383 shots, trigger presses, to complete all three courses. Uh, your, uh, you, you definitely could do it in less shots than that. Um, I had a lot of things I had to do many times. Um, and I think someone might have to do it more. You don't happen to have a number on that, Radigan, like the average number of trigger presses to complete a specific course. That would be interesting data. Be. So 1,383 trigger pulls for me in about nine days. Um, one of those days, days eight, day eight was the worst. Oh, man, it was torture. I, I can't tell you how many times I had to do in the elite marksmanship course. One of the requirements is do the primary hand only drill with the 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 your worst score is 90% or greater twice yep. in a row it's a it's a beast <laughs> it is a beast and then you have to do that support hand which by the way support mm-hmm. hand i had to do several less iterations uh, in order to achieve that yeah it's an interesting insight we'll talk about that more um but i i mean if you went back and looked at my history i bet i did that stupid primary hand only drill like 60 times. I mean, it was just my finger hurt. Like I put in like 600 shots on day eight of this little experience of mine um, to the point that I was like, I can't, I'll have to come back to this tomorrow. And so then on, on day nine, I finished the whole thing off. So I want, what I want to do is now transition, I guess. And, and for those who are listening or watching, I wouldn't, if you don't have a mantis, you need to go get one to do this. But I think that even if you don't have one, what we're going to do now is transition a little bit and with awesome shooter Radigan, who I might add showed me up on the range in, uh, in September of this year. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the things I specifically learned while going through this experience. And these are going to be, these are Jacob things. Like these are things that I learned, like anybody could learn whatever. And I think that's the point, right? Is that to your, what you were saying, Radigan, like anyone who goes through this is going to figure out what they need to work on. Um, so here, here's the first thing I took away from this. And I, I wrote some of these things down so I would, I would be able to come back to them. Uh, grip harder and get tougher. Like when I, Radigan, when I go to the range and I teach a class or something, or I take a class and I'm on the range for eight hours, 12 hours, you know, two days in a row, three days in a row, I never go home with my arms sore. Like, it's just not a thing. I'm like, oh, my grip muscles. Like, it's just, I don't, that doesn't, that's never happened to me. But working on these horribly painful courses that you've put together in the Mantis system, uh, tongue in cheek, right? Obviously, I enjoyed them. Um, like I could do like an hour of work and just be exhausted. Like my muscles could be like, no, I can't do this anymore right now. Like I have to set this gun down and come back to it later. Um, and, and it was simply an issue of I knew that in order to achieve certain scores within the app, I had to grip harder. Uh, you know, I, I just, it, it was, became very apparent. It's like, if I loosen this grip, my score will go down. If I tighten my grip, my score will go up. <laughs> like it's really simple. And, and I don't think a grip is necessary. Like, I don't think everyone has to have a perfect grip in order to shoot perfectly. I think you can, um, I think a grip in some ways masks other deficiencies, right? Like if all my other shooting fundamentals were perfect, I wouldn't have to grip as hard, but gripping harder, being having the muscle and strength to be able to grip harder allows me to not be as good at some other things. So, so Radigan, like what, what is your experience with like grip strength and just like 
amount of grip pressure relative to shooting well? So I think that, well, my experience, not, not what I think, this is what, this is what my experience has taught me. You can shoot incredibly accurately with a horrible grip, but you can't do it quickly or well. I mean, I can hold, I can hold a gun between these two fingers and press a trigger and, and I can get a good hit on the target, but the gun's going to go flying everywhere. So in order to, to truly manipulate the gun in an effective fashion, I have to grip the gun properly and I have to grip the gun tight. How tight should I grip a gun? When I'm teaching a class, I'm for, I didn't mention this at the beginning, but I'm a firearms instructor. When I'm teaching a class, what I tell people is by the time you're shooting, you're done shooting one magazine, you should be exhausted and have to put that gun down and go take a rest. That, that is how much pressure I believe you should be putting on the gun. Just everything you have gripping that gun tightly, and that will increase your accuracy and it will greatly increase your speed. I have seen people who are shooting 0.5 second splits. And then I tell them that just grip the thing like it's trying to kill you and shoot again. And they're at 0.25. They literally can cut that time in half just by bearing down on it as hard as they can. I mean, I get checkering on my hands from the, from the, the stippling on the gun when I'm gripping the gun. And I think that's how you should do it. And it's, it's hard in dry fire too, because you don't have the recoil. You don't have anything pushing back against you. So it's really easy. And, and I fall into this trap all the time. It's really easy when I'm dry firing to loosen up my grip because it's more comfortable. It's easier. Uh, why not? Why would I not do that? So I loosen up on my grip a little bit, a little bit more. And then I dry fire 3000 shots. And then I go back to the range on the weekend and I have to, I have to refocus on, on gripping the gun again. So I think it is essential to grip the gun tightly. And I think that it's, it really does take a conscious effort in dry fire to do so. Yeah. So you have better fundamentals than I, because I can't, I can't like, I, this is this one of the things I learned from this experience. I can't loosen my grip and dry fire and expect to have good scores. I, I, my, my other fundamentals of working the trigger and other things are not good enough um, for me to get away with that. Like I got, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I, that, that's like for me, I, even in dry fire, I have to grip harder than I would think. I have to expend more muscle <laughs> uh, and get tired faster if I want to have, I mean, and, and my, previously in my dry fire, which when I don't conduct it with a mantis, which traditionally I, I don't, I'd say the vast majority of my dry fire, I do not use a mantis or at least I haven't in the last year. And so in that case, I, I feel really good. Like I'm not, I'm not putting a lot of pressure on that. I'm not putting a lot of muscle on it and I feel warm and fuzzy about my results. But now I go shoot 1,383 shots to get through these courses with Mantis in about a 10 day span. And it's, it's like at the beginning, I'm like, Oh, like my scores suck, <laughs> like grip harder. Oh, yep. Now my scores are better. So it, it was just a simple thing of like, I really immediately identified that even in dry fire, I had to grip harder to mask my other deficiencies in order to maintain high scores. Uh, it was just necessary, or at least I, I would say it was one of many ways to ensure I maintained a high average score. And I think you you bring up a, a very interesting and important point of masking different deficiencies. It does. It does help with that. So there are some there are some trainers in the industry, there's some very prominent, and I I I I feel that I'm allowed to disagree with other people. And so if I offend anyone that's too bad. So there are some people that say that trigger control doesn't matter at all, that only your grip matters. I disagree fundamentally with that. I think they're both essential because you can have, like I said, I can hold a gun with these two fingers and press the trigger and get a really good, really accurate shot, or I can grip the gun really tightly and press the trigger and get a good, accurate shot. Well, 
If I grip the gun really, really tight and have a bad trigger press, you're right. It's probably going to mask that. It's going to help with that. But if I can if I can master both the good trigger press and the proper grip, then when one gets a little sloppy, the other can kind of make up for it. When and at speed, at speed, the trigger has to get sloppier. That's, it that's will, right. It, there's no way around it. Yeah, there's no way. There's no way around it. And so that's especially when you're when you're going at speed, that's when gripping really tight and really well is going to make a big difference. And and there was a comment somebody uh, Casey made about shaking. It, uh, they said it seems like you'd start to get shaky. And that is true. You you expend that much energy, you flex your muscles that long, you're going to get a little bit shaky and and that's why you have to weigh the the balance there. How how many rounds do you actually have to fire right now? If I if I have to fire 400 rounds repeat okay yeah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna grip it with everything i have or if i'm making four precision shots i i really enjoy long range shooting with my pistol so like 150 200 yards if i'm making those shots i'm not gripping the gun with everything i have because i need time and i need precision over the ability to make a follow-up shot super quickly which again for me i'm a little bit more accurate when i relax just a little bit because that shaking is not as intense but if i'm at five yards trying to do a build drill then yeah i'm I'm gripping with all everything I've got trying to get the, those, those acceptable hits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So some personal uh, figuring out, you know, how hard you have to grip based on cadence and precision mm-hmm. uh, is, is the other kind of takeaway there. Um, I, there were, there were definitely times, especially on day eight, man, when I was trying to get two primary hand only drills, <laughs> with the, like the worst score over, I think it was 90%, like had to no 95 or something. No, no. <laughs> it was it was it was like the your worst score couldn't be lower than I think it was ninety. Yeah, and you had to do you had to do this ten times, and then do it again. Like there were definitely like moments where it was like one hand only. I'm trying to make this happen, and yeah, I'm shaking, and I'm like, screw it. Like I got to come back in an hour because I can't. I can't. Like there's no way my scores are deteriorating because I'm so tired. Like my, my grip muscles are just worn out. I remember at one point sitting in front of the TV with the family and I'm like running the mantis trying to complete the stupid drill and <laughs> with the cert pistol. And uh, I remember one point, like, like resting between shots. Like I have to do 10 of these and I'm like, bang, like, Oh, 95.5. Sweet. Like set the gun down, rest, pick it up a minute later, do it again. <laughs> you know, <laughs> because I, I was just, my muscles were toast. Like my grip muscles were done. Um, and, and when it's two-handed, it's obviously different than one-handed. But anyway, I, yeah, I just, I think that I learned a lot about how hard I have to grip at my current skill level in order to maximize um, the quality of my shot, the way Mantis scores it, which is the way it matters. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to my second thought. Yeah. Uh, and this one is not meant to be a critique on the system per se, but it is meant to make sure that we guide the users properly. Uh, and, and that is fa- frankly that the Mantis advice isn't always correct. So the way Mantis works, like Radigan, you remember those old diagnostic targets we used like a billion years ago where we like, you, you know, you'd put this target up and, and, you know, based on where the bullet went, you were supposed to figure out what you're doing. So of course, if you're right-handed to lower left of the bullseye, it would say anticipation or whatever. And you'd be like, Oh, but, but you know, you could hit that spot without anticipating. Like there are other things. Right. And so in the same way, Mantis is sort of doing this. Mantis is looking at the way the gun moves in those microseconds when the trigger is pressed and it's making some assumptions about what you might have done wrong. And I think that, it's important as a user of Mantis to know that a, those are assumptions. Like it's, it's, it's good guesswork based on lots of data 
and commonalities, right? Um, the, the, the Mantis, for example, knows if you're right-handed or left-handed, you put that data in. So it gets to make some, some assumptions. Um, the other thing that, the, but, but, you know, the Mantis, it can't feel your hands. It doesn't know where your finger is on the trigger. It can't see your point of impact. It's only measuring the movement of the gun. That's the only data point it has. It has no idea where my finger is on the trigger. It has no idea where the bullet actually lands and it has no idea how I'm gripping the gun. And, and I, I think that when you and I were talking about this before we started recording today, that the other thing that's important for someone to understand is that the better the quality of the shot, I think the margin of error relative to Mantis giving you good advice about what you did wrong increases. So, you know, when you're shooting 90, 90% scores, 95% scores, the margin of error is greater. In other words, Mantis is less likely to give you accurate feedback on what you did wrong. The feedback relative to how much the gun moved is always going to be solid, right? But but Mantis's guess as to what you might have what you might do to improve it, that guess is less helpful the better you get at shooting. So what what's your input on that like as the guy who engineers this stuff, like you can you can tell me if I'm crazy. No, well, you are, but that's not the the point being discussed right yeah, now. Relative to this point, you are correct and crazy that the 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 feedback on what you are doing wrong becomes less relevant and less accurate the higher your scores are. So, if your score, if your average score is a sixty, then that feedback of anticipating recoil or uh, milking the gun or what, whatever it is, that's probably going to be quite accurate. If your average score, what I tell people is if your average score is above an 80, then then ignore those, read through them so that you understand what are what are common mistakes that we make. But but if your scores are above an 80, the probability of that being quite accurate is pretty low. So it, it helps beginner shooters much more than it helps intermediate and advanced shooters. Well, the hope would be that if you're an advanced shooter, that you're going deeper. You're not just taking the little commentary on the app that says too much trigger finger and saying, oh, that must be what I did, right? Oh, in theory, if you're an advanced shooter, you're probably actually scrolling through, looking at the diagnostics, looking at the reporting, looking at that little replay diagram that shows the movement of the muscle, right? You're you're looking that deeply to figure out what those little things that are happening in the moment you press the trigger. So the data is still extremely helpful. It's just that those you know hints that the app is giving you uh, become less reliable, the better quality of your shooting. Yes. And that's just one, like you said, that's just one of the many aspects of the diagnostic that we have. That's right. one of the, the aspects that applies mostly to beginner shooters. Whereas you can, you can dive into the data. I mean, I've, I've seen people take minutes looking at a single shot, analyzing exactly what happened, calculating how, how long it was before the shot that all this occurred and you know, it, it, you can you can go really deep into each shot if you want to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so I'm not uh, to be clear. I'm not saying that the data from the app is less valuable. I'm saying that the specific hints on the maybe thing you did wrong, those become less valuable. Um, the better the better your scores. Okay. Yeah, like I'll give you just one very specific example that I thought was funny. Like I I had that gun dialed in. My grip was locked in. And I press the trigger and it says too much trigger finger, whatever. And I press the trigger again, too little trigger finger. I'm like, yeah, my, my finger's in the same spot, right? Like it didn't move. So, so clearly there's other crap I'm doing that are, that's moving this gun. There's nothing to do with the placement on the trigger of the finger. And that's, yeah, we'll, give you, we'll give you this diagnostic up to a score of 95. And if you're scoring 92, 93, 94, 
it's not the placement of your finger on the trigger that's causing that tiny, tiny, tiny bit of movement. No, no there's no, no way. No. So, so we still give it because we, we have a lot of customers that still want it, even at, even at those scores. And so it's still there. But again, if your average score is over an 80, look, look into the other elements of the diagnostic that are available in the app. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's talk a little bit about um, front sight focus and calling shots. This for me might be the single greatest value I obtained from shooting 1,383 shots through a Mantis in, in a 10 day period. So a lot, I wouldn't, not all, uh, maybe more than half, but you know, let's say like 50, 60% of my dry fire practice. I do Radigan is with a cert pistol. Um, it's just the most convenient. Like I don't have to unload my gun. I don't have to grab a different gun. I don't have to shove anything into a gun. I don't have to start up software. I don't have to grab something. And like, I just pick up the cert pistol and go. So probably 60, maybe 70% of my dry fire is done with a cert pistol for me personally. Now, the, the problem I have is that there's a cool red dot. Like I'm like a cat, man. And I think a lot of shooters are like cats. We see a red dot on the wall. And by the way, you can see my dry fire. For those of you who are on video, you can see the targets behind me. Those are the targets I shoot in dry fire. Uh, I have a dot torture drill target and then just kind of another target with some random stuff on it. And and that's, that's this is where I do my dry fire, right here where you're looking on my camera. And so I love like seeing that red dot on, on my little dot torture target, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm pressing trigger and seeing that dot. Well, the, the problem is that it creates a really bad habit, right? Instead of my focal plane being on the front side of the tar of the gun, my focal plane is on the target. It's on that red dot, like a, like a cat, like, Ooh, where'd the red dot go? And I think that this happens to shooters a lot too. I think shooters, uh, in, you know, without a red dot, like real live ammo, live fire, when we're shooting, we get really focused on the hole in the paper uh, or we get focused on the target itself, right? In traditional iron sight shooting, we have three focal planes. We have the rear sight, the front sight, and then the target. And it, it's really easy to focus on the target and, and bringing your focus back to the front sight and superimposing that with the target I think is difficult. I think it has to be trained. And it's one of the things I think I, I struggle with a lot. And I think after this little experience of 1,383 shots, it could, I, I realized how problematic that red dot had become for me, how much my eye was gravitating to the target instead of the front side of the gun. I can interrupt you real quick. I'm sorry. I just want to clarify for those listening. When you're saying red dot, you're not talking about a red dot optic. You're talking about the, the laser on the wall right so just from the start pistol in this case. for anyone listening yeah. that, yes. that's what we're talking right. about because if we were if, if i had a, an optic on the gun and if i was running a red dot then that'd be really good to be focused on the red dot so thank you for clarifying that in case anyone misunderstood me yeah i'm talking about the actual point of impact dot from my laser training device that 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 projects a red laser out the gun uh and, and it would be the same if i was using like a laser dot you know, ammo insert in my, in my real gun, right? So I'm still getting a red dot and I do that sometimes. Um, so yeah, that it just becomes really distracting. Yep. Um, yep. And, and when, because what changed here is because when you're going through this course, this Mantis course, it became really critical for me to see the front sight and how it moves in the rear notch in the moment I'm pressing the trigger. This became really important because it really sucks when you're shooting 1,383 shots to press a trigger and look at your phone. 
I'm like, what was that score? Like when I was doing those, those last couple of drills in the elite marksmanship challenge, where uh, for the most part throughout, throughout these three courses, for the most part, it's all about average score. Can, you know, complete X drill with an average score of blank or above. But in, in, (laughs) Oh, you tricky, you tricky mantis people. (laughs) And this elite marksmanship course, the last one, the most difficult one, it wasn't about the average score. It was about the, the worst score. Your worst score has to be above X. That sucked. And so by sucked, I simply mean it was hard. Like it's really good of you. It just really sucked for me. And, and so it, it, it was real big pain. Like it, it's just not very conducive. If like, I can't get anything lower than a 90, if I press a trigger and I have to look at my phone every time. And if you're doing this 1,383 times, it's also a training scar. If you're constantly press trigger, look at phone, press trigger, look Amen. at phone. That's a disaster. Like why, like that is not good training. So it became imperative for me in order to complete the courses to be able to call my shots, to put, you know, present the target, the, the gun on target, look at the sights, press the trigger and know without looking at the phone, if it was a good shot or a bad shot, you know, no, without looking at the phone, knowing if this was a probably you know, like I, I could probably guess by the time I was done after 1,383 times of this, I could probably guess within 5%. I could say, Oh, that was probably between 92 and 97. Uh, or, Ooh, that was, that was probably between an 85 and a 90. And I could do it by seeing the sights. Mm-hmm. And there's huge value to that for me. Huge. Because for years, I've heard really advanced shooters like like Riley, who most of you are used to hearing on the podcast, talk about calling his shots and talk about how he can see the sights of his gun when he presses the trigger and he knows where the point of impact is going to be without having to look at the target. And I always heard that from people and thought, you must be a ninja. Like, I don't know how humans do- – I-, I can't do that. Like, what are you talking about? You call your shots. I can't see the sight picture to that degree of clarity in those moments to be able to do that. But after 1,383 iterations with Mantis, it became imperative I learned to do that um, because I had to be able to do it. And that was probably, for me, the single greatest value I took from those 1,300 shots through Mantis. And I think if that's all you get from it, that is awesome. That is awesome because that is one of the key fundamentals that is really hard to consistently do. Because like you said, we want to look at the target. I mean, that, that's where everything is happening. That's our end objective. So we, our brain wants to say, okay, if that's the end objective, that's where I need to be focused. And that's not true. That's not going to work unless you're, unless you're focusing on your sites properly. One of the things, if, if anyone listening is interested, one of the things that I have done and continue to do on occasion to build up that ability is shooting at, shooting at distance and then drawing on a piece of paper where I think my hits were and then walking to the target. So I'm far enough away that I can't see the target I can't see the hits on the target. So if you put like a, like a cardboard target against a dirt background that, you know, that would also help hide them shooting rifles at a hundred yards with a low, low powered optic, that kind of thing so that you can practice. Okay. I think this is where they went. Now go to the target and see where they actually are and, and see how well that lines up because you can have a perfect trigger press. You can get a score. and, And this is another thing too. When we're adding in the live fire element, you can get a score of a 98 and still not hit the center of the target. It just means you hit where you were aiming. So if your sights are misaligned or not on the center of the target, that also plays into calling your shots in addition to, to, to all the other elements. So that's a good way to actually practice that live fire as well. And then dry fire doing just what you're doing. Okay, here's what here's what I saw in the alignment, not not the sight picture, but the sight alignment. I, based on based on my experience in the past, I think that equates to about an 87. 
And, and then you can't, you can check, right? You can do that. Sure. But that's a great way to practice it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I recognize obviously that it's, it's harder in live fire. Like I, I conducted all 1,383 shots through this, these Mantis courses, dry, dry fire on a cert pistol, hundred percent, no exception. And so I, I, I am cognitive enough to know that I'm beginning to scratch the surface on the idea of me being able to call my shots, me being able to see my sight picture to the degree necessary to know what it's going to be before the bullet leaves the gun. In this case, before the app tells me my score. Um, and I realized that, yeah, it, that's, it's, I, I have to continue to work on that because in live fire, it's going to be different. When I have to deal with recoil, right? When I have to deal with those kinds of things, it's going to be different. But it was huge for me. It was like a, a personal breakthrough to be like, crap, I just pressed the trigger and I know. I know what my score is because I saw the degree of movement and what direction of movement that front sight was in my in my rear notch. I saw it. Like that was huge for me. And I think that really doing that at dry fire, especially given ammo costs, is going to be essential. Um, oh, and yeah. then figuring out how to scale that skill to to dealing with recoil becomes critical too. And I, I see myself doing a lot with my cool fire trainer or my airsoft gun as well, uh, where it's not the same kind of recoil as live fire, but it gives me an opportunity to kind of have a mid-grade point where I'm getting some recoil, some forced movement of the gun, but I'm still tracking the sights and seeing what I need to see in order to call my shots. So I'm curious what you, what, how you answer this question. Why is that important? What, you, you said it was cool because you, you thought those were range ninjas, but why, why is that important? <laughs> yeah, I think it's important for a couple of reasons. Um, the first reason is important because I think that visual acuity is a shooting skill. And it's one we just don't talk about enough. Your ability to train your eyes to see stuff matters. Um, for example, if I have to make just a, let's just talk about draw to first shot. If I just got to get the gun out, present it on target and get a really quality shot. And by quality, quality is relative, right? Quality could mean like a big, massive target or could mean something extremely precise. But if I can't see what needs to be seen, then I have to slow down. So my visual acuity skill dominance uh, dictates the speed at which I can hit the gas pedal with the gun, right? Because it, it's it's not, this is not complicated guys. Like me and Riley can stand next to each other on a range and given the chance to warm up. Okay. He, he can get two shots out of the gun from concealed out of the holster in, in under a second. I can get one shot under a second if I try, but the difference is both his shots will hit an A zone and mine, like, your guess is as good as mine. Right? Like I just, just reach that sucker out and it's like, bam, I popped that trigger. Okay. Because the difference is he, in that, like in under a second, in fact, in his case, he, he generally gets, he can get his first shot right around 0. 0.72, 0. 0.76, somewhere in there. In that period of time, that 0. 0.72, 0. 0.76, not only can he just retrieve the gun from the holster and pre- present it generally in the direction of a target, but he can actually acquire a sight picture. A sight picture that he that gives him the degree of confidence necessary to shoot the gun because the sights are the gas pedal. They determine the speed at which we can shoot. And so for me, if you tell me, okay, you have to draw and present uh, and get a shot off as quickly as possible, but you have to hit this target. I can't do that in under a second. I mean, I guess it would depend on the size of the target, but probably I'm not going to pull it off. Three yards, A zone, USPSA style target. No. I'm, it's going to take me 1.15, 1.2 um, at my best because my visual acuity skill isn't there yet. And so I think it's it's about you. It's not about like me being able to press the trigger and be like, 
I know where it went, guys. Like I'm a ninja. It's it's about me being able to see what I need to see in order to uh, shoot faster, both on the first shot and subsequent shots. And what it does for your brain as well, it, it, you're you're processing those images to a much much greater degree, at a much greater rate, and you're then able to tell your finger press the trigger now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, assuming you got that trigger control, now, yep. you're saying okay. Everything's good. Press the trigger now. I'm going back to the drawing to first shot analogy, right? You're bringing the gun in 0.7 seconds. Most of that time is spent just getting the gun in front of your eyes. And then it's there. And then you have to process all these different images and then indicate to your finger that you need to press the trigger. And then when you get to that point, you can start making corrections. Now in that point, in that 0.7 seconds from draw to first shot, and I'm not quite that fast either. You get the gun up and you see, oh, it's not quite right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a tiny, tiny adjustment as I'm breaking the shot. Mm-hmm. And, you, and your brain and your hands and everything, you have that ability then to, to recognize it and respond in such a rapid manner that you, that you get your shots from C zone to A zone only because now you're actually making an adjustment. Like you said, it's not, it's not presenting the gun with your eyes closed because you know where the gun points. You're actually seeing those sights, making an adjustment and pressing the shot. In 0.75 seconds, that's wicked fast. Yeah, no, well, Riley's wicked fast, but yeah, he's, 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 he's a demigod of shooting. Yeah, but, yeah, actually, that's a much better description. <laughs> but think of it this way: like, it's also about my ability to get accurate follow-up shots. Like, if I yep. can call my first shot, right? If I can say, "Oh, I think I know about where that went," then as I'm returning the gun to presentation, I can make adjustments already necessary to get the second shot to go where it needs to be. So my ability to do that at speed matters. Otherwise, what we see is a lot of people. If you if say, "Okay, we're gonna do you know we're gonna do a build drill, come out of holster, put six shots on target," we'll see most of our students will do one of two things: either a, their split times will be really bad because between shots they're adjusting their point of aim, mm-hmm. or they rock that trigger. But Because they lock down the grip and they they let rip the first one and then they just they ha- they just let rip all of them but they mm-hmm. don't have between shots they don't have the visual acuity to say oh I need to make an adjustment because they're just letting it rip as fast as they can so yeah seeing learning to a focus where I need to be focusing in my case on the front sights I'm shooting irons and then b being able to see the movement of those sights as I'm breaking the shot huge value takeaway. Uh, with with you know throughout these 1,383 shots with the mantis. Yeah. All right. Okay. Let's let's move forward a little bit. Let's talk about trigger placement, trigger break, and trigger reset. And this is going to start to bring us toward the end of our of our show here today. Um, I, I should disclaim that the the cert pistol I use for my dry fire is stock. And for those of you who don't own a lot of cert pistols or you've never used a cert pistol, they come pretty stiff. At least the 110 models do. The 107s are not as bad. But the cert 110s, which is the Glock model, they come pretty stiff. I I don't have a a thingamajigger to measure the pressure, but it's probably a 10-pound trigger. Most people dial it down. And obviously, my carry guns are not a 10-pound trigger. But I do that on purpose on dry fire. For me, it's the equivalent of like being up on deck and swinging three bats. It's like, oh, if I could do it with this, I'd be real easy with, with, with my normal, you know, carry gun. So what I, what I realized really, really quickly is that uh, first thing I figured out is that finger placement had basically zero effect for me. Like when I would dial in my grip and I'd start cranking off shots and I'd be watching my score with Mantis, it didn't matter. Like I could 
you know, wrap the trigger with greater amount of my finger, less of my finger, like to the degree that I was capable of moving the trigger rearward. For me, it made zero impact on my score. Yeah. Over the course of 1300 shots, I experimented quite a bit with finger placement on the trigger. Irrelevant to me. And yet I think that a lot of instructors really harp on that. Oh, your fingers, you know, too far on the trigger or not, you know, it's, you know, I've seen infographics where it's like, this is correct. This is too much in, this is too far out. For me, it had zero impact, right? You're like, what's your experience with that? My experience is that that if you go to any of the extremes, it's going to cause issues. There's a pretty big gray area in between where you can be anywhere in there, wherever it's most comfortable, wherever it works best for you. And even at the extremes, if you can press a trigger well, if you, if you have trigger pressed down, that's only going to manifest at at speed. So you you can I can I can press a trigger with a tiny tiny bit of my finger or a ton of my finger and it's okay unless I try and go unless I try and go fast and then I need to be somewhere in that in the middle of that in that that spot that I found that works really well for me. Yeah, that's good feedback, right? Because none of the one thousand three hundred eighty three shots I was doing with Mantis had any relative, mm-hmm. you know, fast split times, right? By nature of the way the tool works, you have to have a certain degree of uh, pause between shots. <clears throat> so. At least in dry fire, that's the case because it, there's too many potentials for yeah. false negatives. So, uh, yeah, that, that's interesting. Like, I'll have to verify that in live fire uh, at, at a higher cadence of speed. Um, but certainly in dry fire, like my range of position on that trigger, the, you know, where I could be without making any real difference was pretty significant. Yep. Um, obviously, the middle of that range is probably my sweet spot. But that range was larger than I thought it was. Uh, but but having that degree of like <laughs> that's the beautiful thing about the mantis guys. If you listen to this and you're like, God, you're getting way too geeked out about this. Like that's the point. Like the point of mantis is that when you're trying to shoot scores of 95% or greater on average to complete these courses, it takes very little to screw that up. <laughs> it takes very little to get less than a 95%. Like you have to be extremely dialed in. That gun better not be moving, like hardly at all. Um, it it is like I think you could put a the gun in a press and and have a hard time doing that. So that's the point is that you 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 learn like to such a minute degree what affects the 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 shot. That was my sense with trigger placement. Um, let's talk about reset. This was another interesting thing. This is like a weird, funky, uh, unexpected, random benefit of your platform. So on a CERT pistol, you know, SIRT stands for shot indicating resetting trigger. So the CERT has a reset on it. And by nature of Mantis trying to detect when a shot is being broken on the CERT, it was not uncommon for it on occasion, not, not constantly, but on occasion for my reset of the trigger to be picked up as an additional shot. That makes sense, right, Radigan? Like, yeah, yeah. on the start pistols, that can happen. Sure, like that would make because it's 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 not that much difference of a like a click and movement yeah. or whatever on the the device. Like in live fire, I can imagine that would never happen because nope. the degree of movement, right? Like, there's no way. But on a cert pistol, it's extremely like natural that that would that would happen sometimes. And so, with with Mantis, because the Mantis can has the potential of doing that, it became paramount that I reset the trigger quickly 
because I presume you can tell me, Mr. VP of engineering, that on Mantis, there's some, there's some like degree of allowance of time where when we detect shot in dry fire on this cert pistol for the following X number of tenths of seconds or hundreds of seconds, any additional movement we detect is not an additional shot. But after this period of time, if we feel movement again, this could be another shot. I, is that probably true? In, in a way, yes. So it's not actually based on time. There is, there is technically no minimum time, but what we're looking at is, I'm trying, I'm going to try and not get super nerdy here. <laughs> if you look at a graph of the acceleration of the gun, so any vibrations are going to be picked up as accelerations, you'll see spikes when the trigger is pressed, when the, when the striker is released or the hammer goes forward. You're going to see a spike in acceleration. So that's what we're looking for, those spikes. So if you have two spikes right next to each other, the the distinction between the two will not be sufficient for it to pick up two separate shots. So again, it's it's not based on time, but there is going to be some sort of time interval required between those two spikes in order to uh, to pick them up separately. Yeah, that makes sense. Like what what I was discovering for me with the cert was if I trapped the trigger to the rear, like really precise shot. Ooh, good job, ninety five percent. And then I slowly released it back to reset it. I was much more likely to get a false positive mm -hmm. compared to what I should do, right? Which is break the shot and reset it immediately. Um, that uh, for whatever reason, you know, whether it's, you know, what you described, I'm sure like we could go more engineering geek on that if we wanted, but it was just very apparent to me that if I reset it the way I should, which is as soon as you break the shot, reset the trigger, then I didn't have any issues with the false positive. And, and this is something I struggle with as a shooter. And this, this 1,383 shots helped me to start to overcome this as well. Because as a shooter, uh, what I know is that I got a pretty sloppy trigger finger and I got to work on that. Like most, like most shooters, like we're all at some point in that journey. And, and the point I am in the journey, I know that if I slow down the trigger and I slowly work through the wall, I'm, I'm going to be able to hit whatever I want. Like it's not going to be a problem for me. But if I rush that trigger, I'm going to jerk it. Like it's, it's, it, I'm going to have some, I'm going to miss to some degree. Now with a relatively generous target, it's not a big deal. So I can, I can go at speed and it's not a problem. But if I have, if I'm doing a drill where I got to go from a very, you know, a big, a big target to a very precise shot, I can let it rip. Then when I go to the precise, I'm going to move that trigger really slowly. Well, what happens is I have this habit personally, and I think I've, I've found other people have it often as well. That anytime I have to shoot a precise shot, I trap the trigger. In other words, I don't reset it quickly because in my brain, it's almost like, well, I don't need to shoot quickly on this particular drill I'm running. I need to shoot accurately. So I'm going to work through the Because I press the trigger to the rear slowly, there's something in my brain that then resets it slowly. And that's not good. So it, it's, it's an issue for me that I have to work on that no matter the speed or the precision of the shot, all shots should the trigger should be reset immediately. There's never any reason whatsoever that one could justify not resetting the trigger as quickly as possible. And for whatever reason, with me and my cert pistol and the mantis, it became critical to ensure I didn't get any false positives. And you don't want a false positive when you have to oh. average a 95% no. score on the benchmark drill. So uh yeah. It was really helpful to me. I was I was learning despite the entire 1,383 shots I, I I broke on that system, despite all of them having to be precise. It became paramount to reset the trigger immediately, as quickly as possible, and that was a huge value for me. So I got a couple things to say on that. 
uh, I agree with everything you've said. Just I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue with you here. I mean, when when the gun fires in live fire, you want to reset that trigger by the time you've reached peak of recoil, and then and then you're staging it again. You're you're reaching that that breaking point on your way back down to the target. It, it, it is such a quick process. It's not something in, in an ideal situation, right? It's not even something you're thinking about. The shot breaks, and by the time the gun is back on target, you're ready to break another shot. And, and you didn't think about resetting the trigger and, and adding that pressure again. <clears throat> so that's an awesome, an awesome lesson to learn and an awesome way to practice it because then you actually are penalized if, mm-hmm. if, it, doesn't, if it doesn't go the way it should, right? Yep. <laughs> just, so you, just so you know and just so listeners know, we do have in the advanced settings, we do have a one-second delay. And we put that in there specifically for cert pistols so that you cannot shoot faster than one shot per second. That's the limitation. The advantage is you can work on that reset and not worry about it picking up the reset as a second shot. So I did something, new topic, I did something uh, a, a couple of years ago that was interesting. I don't know that I recommend it, but it helped me. So what I did was I got a resetting a resetting gun. It was actually, it was a double action. And I just practiced trigger reset with the Mantis, and all I cared about was the reset score. So I had to kind of dig through the data, but now I said, okay, I can press a trigger and get a 95. Can I reset the trigger and get a 95? And I couldn't. And what I realized was, as I'm resetting the trigger, because of because of the way my muscles are moving in my hands, I'm not adding pressure to the gun. I'm actually releasing pressure on the gun, but the rest of my hands are doing something and the gun is moving. And I don't mm. want that. I don't, I don't want the rest of my hand taking the gun off target, especially if I've got my recoil management down. I don't, I don't want that to be an issue. So I practice pressing the trigger and getting 95s and resetting the trigger and getting 95s and then speeding up. And obviously the scores go down a little bit as you speed up, but doing it slowly and learning to move the, move my finger this way and this way correctly and without moving the gun was very beneficial for me. Now, again, you're, you're practicing slowly resetting the trigger. That could be considered a bad training habit. And that's why I'm not saying I recommend it necessarily, just that for me at that time, it was, it was a great exercise. There was an insight gained, right? Yeah. Which is that, sure. hey, I'm, I'm disturbing this gun way more than I thought I was or that I should be while I'm resetting the trigger by the nature of muscle tension and stuff. Yep. Um, yeah. I, to me, that's huge value. I love that. Um, okay. I think... I'm just checking my notes to see if we've covered everything I wanted to say about that. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So I think my last point, is, you know, that I just want to talk about that I think that any shooter could benefit from is just the value of consistency by the nature of how I tackled these courses in the Mantis app. I, I was trying to complete them um, in the shortest period of time as possible in terms of the days I put into this for just the way I decided to approach it. Okay. Uh, and I'm, you know, this is what I do full time. I got the time in, in a day to allocate how I want. So that's how I tackled it. Consistency became paramount and obvious where it was, where it was lacking. And by consistency, I mean, you know, picking up the gun the same way or retrieving it from the holster the same way, uh, getting into my grip the same way, putting my finger on the trigger the same place every time. As you're, as you're really dialing in the things that prevent you from getting the, as you're dialing in the things that make the difference between an 85% and a 95% score on Mantis, you figuring it out is only half of the problem. The other half of the problem is that you, you executing it that way every time. And that's but where the real experience doing it a different way. Right. Right. Yeah. Especially if you're breaking a habit. Yeah. Oh, holy crap. That's a serious problem. 
so I, I found that for me, that was probably one of the more significant values of 1,383 shots is that at a certain point in there, you know what you got to do, right? Like it, it doesn't take a thousand shots to figure out how to get a 95% shot in Mantis. I promise. If any of you have, ha- have a Mantis and you put a thousand shots into it, you still can't get into the 85, 90 range. I, I don't know what to tell you. Like you're clearly not paying attention to the feedback the app is giving you at this point, at that point, somewhere in there, you're going to figure out what's, what's necessary. The problem is the consistent ex- execution of that. And so the training sort of moves from how do I do this into how do I do it every time? Yep. And, and that I think was probably one of the more valuable things is just the nature of these courses forced me to do that much repetition to really start to dial in closer, you know, I'm not there, but dial in closer the consistency at which I do those things that matter. And so I would encourage anyone to think about that, you know, and, and, and this would be probably one of the biggest arguments for me to make sure I continue to practice and train with the Mantis, despite, you know, getting all, getting all my cool patches that I can now put on Instagram and say I'm cool like Radigan. But beyond that, I got to continue to practice with this because it's the only way to verify to that degree of specificity that I'm still doing what's necessary to shoot that well. Um, and I think the other key for me now is to go to, you know, do, do more live fire, you know, which means costly ammo, but, but at this point, you know, putting that through 1300 shots and dry fire is good, but now I got to go do some things in live fire to see where does recoil break down um, the things I was doing to, that allowed me to get there. And, and it's going to be a whole new set of learning for me. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. So those are, I guess, be my parting thoughts uh, for everybody is if you have a Mantis already, you've already invested the money. These courses are free to you. Go open the app, scroll down, start on basic marksmanship and go to work. Uh, you do have to set up a user account. I'm pretty sure. I don't think you can do it without a user account, but that's I free. I don't know either. I, I'm logged in, so I, I could, yeah. but it's free. So, so log in or register a user account in the app. Go do those courses. You already bought the device. So why wouldn't you take advantage of the value that's built into these things? Uh, you can do it dry or you can do it live. Knock yourself out. For those of you who don't yet have a Mantis, uh, if you've thought about it, if you thought, man, that feedback would be good, um, but for whatever reason you justified not buying one till now, I would encourage you to do so because for me, the value I gained, uh, not just from understanding the device and using it a bit initially, but now really going back and diving through these courses was substantial. And I see now how I can continue to use it no matter what my skill level is to continue to uh, you know, grow as a shooter. And so I'm really grateful. Radigan, last thoughts from you, my man. Go do the courses. They, they, are, they are a lot of fun and you will find things that you need to work on. It's it's really interesting going through them. So I actually I actually had the opportunity to to create the the curriculum for the courses, and it was really interesting. It was it was a challenge to try and find those different levels, and and I actually got input from a lot of of big name instructors in, in the nation as well because I didn't want to just come up with this from my brain because it, it is definitely limited in its capacity, and so we got a lot of input for, input from people. And whether or not you own a Mantis, train, guys. Train dry fire. Live fire is so ridiculously expensive right now. So do some dry fire. Do whatever live fire you can. But keep training. Do a little bit every day. And and you will see improvement. The consistency is way more important than the amount of time spent. Five minutes a day, ten minutes a day will do way more for you than just, just trying to get it all in one day a month. 
Yeah, or trying to complete all three courses in ten days. Yeah, that's, that's going to do nothing for you. And yeah. keep your uh, keep your eyes open because we got we got more courses in the pipeline that are being uh, developed right now. So we have oh. we have quite a few on the way. <laughs> I don't know if that makes me excited or like I, I think I just had this like well just don't of, of, of anxiety. Up. Just do them one at a time as they come. <laughs> oh, very good. Thank you, everybody, for participating with today. Thank you, Ragan, for your generous time and for the work you put into this system. We really appreciate it. All right, guys. So with that, uh, we're really grateful for you being here today. Hopefully you got some value out of learning the things that I learned about my own shooting and, it, and my own deficiencies as I went through these courses. I hope that you'll take take all that to heart and, and get whatever value you can from that. And if you are interested in Mantis, you'll buy it from concealcare.com. Radigan's website, it's the same price, but... You heard it from me, so you should definitely go buy it from concealcarry.com. And we really appreciate all that you guys do. Don't forget to check out our sponsors of today's episode, Range Ruck, the best range bag ever, concealcarry.com forward slash range ruck, and the Guardian Conference, guardianconference.com. Thank you for being with us today. Remember to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care, everyone.